I'm the Black Bandit, KJ Green, welcome you to another edition of Sports of the Hoodwood. Coming up this week, four teams move on from the wild card round. The Twins, Rangers, Phillies, and Diamondbacks. Surprise some of the experts to move on to the divisional round. second i'm your man kj green welcome you back to the hoodwood and i'll be honest it's gonna be a little shorter this week got a lot of stuff on tap uh outside the hoodwood so we're gonna put it together a quick show and try to make it as quick and as informative as possible let's look at the major league baseball playoffs which started on tuesday and ended on wednesday i shouldn't say it ended the wild card round was pretty quick pretty painless Unless you were the Blue Jays or the Marlins or the Brewers or the Rays who were all unceremoniously swept out of the wild card round. And it didn't matter about home field advantage because both the Diamondbacks and the Rangers both went to teams who were seated ahead of them and knocked them out in two games. Wasn't even a uh, upset where the higher seeded team had, you know, was able to steal a win or two. Mm -mm. Both the Diamondbacks, who went to Milwaukee and knocked out the NL Central champion Brewers, and the Rangers, who waited almost to the last day before they qualified for the playoffs and had to face a 99 win Tampa Bay team, both of them winning their series in two games. Kind of shocking. The Rays, 99 wins, but playing in front of paltry crowds and really didn't play like they really wanted to be there. Weird. Really weird. The Rangers won 90 games. They finished tied with the Astros for the AOS, lost on a tiebreaker, so they were shuffled off to the five seed and having to play Tampa and were kind of underdogs, but they took the fight to the Rays. 
and knocked them out. In the other AL wildcard series, the Toronto Blue Jays took on the Minnesota Twins, and even though the Twins only scored five runs, they held the Blue Jays to one. And you're going to win a lot of games when you hold teams to just one run. Pablo Lopez throwing five innings in game one, Royce Lewis hitting two home runs, his first two at-bats, becoming only the third player to hit two home runs in his first two postseasons at-bats. Winning game one, three to one, and then Sonny Boy, Sonny Gray, coming out throwing five and two-thirds strong shutout innings, and the Twins bullpen, boy, they were throwing zeros all the way across the board. Johan Duran finishing off both games one and games two and sending the Twins to their first, not only their first postseason win since 2004. I said 2003 last week, but it was 2004. But not only sending them to their first postseason win since 2004 when they beat the Yankees in game one of the 2004 Divisional Series, but their first postseason win since 2002 when they beat the Oakland A's in the divisional series. They would eventually lose to the Angels in the league championship series, but the Twins winning their first postseason um, postseason series in over 20 years and moving on to the divisional series where they will face the West champion Astros who were the second seed and got a first round bye. The Texas Rangers will go on to play the Baltimore Orioles who won 101 games and has the number one seed in the American League. Both those series start on Saturday with the Rangers and Orioles kicking off the divisional series at 1 o'clock on Saturday in Baltimore in uh, Camden Yards. And the Astros and Twins playing a afternoon game in uh, is it Minute Maid Park. Yeah, Minute Maid Park. The Juice Box. I was almost, <laughs> I almost called it Enron Field. I'm like, oh man, I dated myself with that one. But playing Mid May Park, uh, 4:45 uh, Eastern Time, the 3:45 Central in Houston. Over in the National League, I mentioned the Diamondbacks knocking out the Brewers, going to Milwaukee and knocking off the NL Central champion in two games, winning both games relatively easy. The Brewers just looked discombobulated. It was weird because it just seemed like the the Brewers looked like a team that was built for speed and built for a long run in the playoffs. And the Diamondbacks just said, so what? And sent them home. And in the uh, other uh, NL wildcard series, the Phillies, the four seed, taking on the five seed Marlins. The Marlins looked very much like the neophyte playoff team. Hadn't been to the playoffs in a while. And they were pushed out unceremoniously by the Phillies in two games. So it was sweeps. As Snuffy says, more sweeps than a broom factory. And the NL Divisional Series start also on Saturday with the Dodgers hosting the Diamondbacks. Game one being in Chavez Ravine on uh, Saturday evening. And the Phillies taking on their divisional foes in the Braves. And that series also starting uh, Saturday evening. That'll be a 6 o'clock start in um, in Atlanta. In, uh, I almost called it. That's another one. <laughs> I almost misnamed the ballpark. Uh, 
truest field. I almost said Turner Field. I'm like, no, it's truest. They're out in the suburbs of Atlanta now. A game one between the Phillies and the Braves. That's a 6 o'clock start. On Saturday, the uh, Diamondbacks and Dodgers playing in Chavez Ravine, 9-20 on Saturday night. So all the divisional series will start on Saturday. Then they start staggering it out on Sunday and Monday with all the series running at least for two or three days and the, if necessary, running through Saturday. But the playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs, are well under white, under, well, if I could talk, it'd be dangerous. Try that again. The Major League Baseball playoffs are well underway, and I love baseball in October. There's just cert a certain feel and look to it. And the teams that are in the playoffs and still there are worthy teams. And trust and believe, all eight teams that are left in the playoffs have legitimate shots at going all the way to win the World Series. And then there were two. And the WNBA gets its dream, not the Atlanta dream, not the basketball team, but its dream finals with the Las Vegas Stars and the New York Liberty going hit up for the WNBA finals, which will start on Sunday in Las Vegas, uh, 3 p.m. tip-off on ABC. And this is, the, like I said, the dream. You have star power on both teams. You have coaches who have won titles before. The defending WNBA champions in the Las Vegas Aces, coached by Becky Hammond, and the, the, the New York Liberty, who have been to the finals but have never won one. And you're looking at it and, and with Sandy Brandello's team, they, Sandy Brandello have won a, uh, a title with the Phoenix Mercury, but you have two teams of the first rank, and you have two championship coaches going head up. The strategy is going to be off the charts. Both teams with, I mean, like I said, star power, just something fierce. You're looking at teams that have played, have went head up with one another, and they, I wouldn't say they're rivals, but they have just so many scores and so many players. I mean, Snuffy, I think Snuffy has a crush on Aja Wilson. And she is an absolute beast of a player. And the Liberty, if you sleep on the Liberty, you sleep on yourself. Because that's a team that they just, they're relentless. I mean, start with Brianna Stewart. Courtney Vandersloot, she's a wizard with the rock. And you have players like, you know, John Quill Jones, who are, you know, just solid players. This is a team that they went 32 and 8. And in any other year, psh, they'd be the dominant talk of the of the league. But you have the Aces, the defending WNBA champions, Becky Hammond's crew. Went 34-6. and six. And, <laughs> like I said, start with Aja Wilson, Chelsea Gray at point. This is a team that they're tough, they're 
fierce. They, they can run you out of the gym. And the Liberty are probably the only team in the WNBA that will probably push the Aces hard. And I'm expecting a great series. Both teams, over 30 wins, both teams cruising through the playoffs. They really haven't been tested. I mean, the Liberty lost game one of the of the uh, semifinals to the Connecticut Sun. They kind of shrugged it off, refocused, even though they lost in Brooklyn. was like, okay. And then they brutalized the Sun in three more in three straight games, winning two, three, and four, on their way to the finals. The Aces haven't been tested. They haven't been pushed. And you wonder if they will face a team like the Liberty and know how to handle their business. And I'm thinking they will. But Snuffy says Aces in five. I'm inclined to agree with them. I think that the Aces will split the first, that Aces and Liberty will split the first two games, split the two games in New York, and come back to Vegas for a winner-take-all game five, which I think should be must-see TV. And we're going to look back at it here in a week or so when, I, when we get together next week, and maybe we're looking at, you know, previewing a game five. But for right now, I'm saying aces and five, I guess Snuffy agrees with me too. But that's a final that I'm looking forward to. And people's like, well, why are you talking so much about the WNBA? It's good basketball. If you like good basketball, good shooting, good fundamentals, oh, they don't dunk. Dunking is overrated, I think. I think that good technique and good fundamentals, somebody really lighting it up, no matter if it's a man or a woman, Shooting good is good game. It is good ball to watch, and I think it should be taken in. I'm gonna be watching the WNBA finals. I'm be checking it out. I think you should too. Let's take a time out. Come back with week five of the NFL. That went ten and six last week. Double digit win. Maybe I can improve on it. Knock on wood. Sports from the hoodwood comes back at you. After this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. location for the most honest insight, thorough analysis, and unfiltered opinion on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's the man of the hour, After Hours, your host, KJ Green. You are back in the Hoodwood. My name is KJ Green, and let's look at the NFL previews for week five. Last week, no, I was really terrified. I was scared. 
At one point during the early games, all of my early game picks were losing. All of them. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm just like, I couldn't handle it. I'm thinking, what happens if all these games lose? What happens, and I already was in the hole 0-1 after Detroit beat Green Bay, so I'm thinking, what's going to happen if I'm already down 0-6, It was just not good. I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to go outside, put myself in front of a moving truck, you know, put... You know, put Cowboys fan, uh, Cowboy gear on and go into Philly. I, I don't know. I was just getting worried. Now, I did feel some relief when some of the things started turning around. Mind you, not every pick came through. I'm looking at you, Cleveland. I'm looking at you, Pittsburgh. And I'm definitely looking at you, Cincinnati. Falling apart the way you did, the way you've been the last couple weeks. For shame. But, the upset of the week, I was... So, you know, I was so jazzed about the Colts. I'm thinking they're going to come back. They're going to prove me right. But then the Rams took it in overtime. So it's another upset that fell apart. But the late games came through like a charm for me. Swept through them. I got a few of the early games. Swept through the uh, the 4 o'clock Eastern games. Went perfect on them. And the night games, including the Sunday and Monday night games. And came out basically ahead at 10-6. and six. Now. The margin for error is a little bit slimmer this week because there are now we're starting the bye weeks. There's going to be only 14 games to be picked this week. We've already taken one of those games off the board with uh, Chicago beating Washington. And I'm already going one in the hole again. Oh, well. But as I've said, there are starting bye weeks. And there are four weeks, uh, four teams, I should say that are taking a bye this week, and also weeks 9 through 11, four teams would be on a bye week. You have the heavy bye weeks, which six teams are off in weeks 7 and 13, and then you have the light bye weeks, which is weeks 6 and 14, which only two teams have a bye. Uh, no bye weeks on weeks 8 and 12, 12 being Thanksgiving, and then nothing the last four weeks of the season. This week, you have the Browns on their bye. They're 1-3. They lost to the Ravens 28-3. Buccaneers, who are 3-1, who defeated the Saints 26-9. The Seahawks defeated the Giants. They are The Seahawks are 3-1. They defeated the Giants 24-3. And the 2-2 two two Chargers defeated the Raiders 24-17. So, they sit this week out. And, as usual, the odds are being provided to you by... Uh, ESPN for entertainment and comparison purposes only. You bet at your own risks, and if you lose uh, betting lines and lose, don't come looking for me. I am in no financial shape to help you out. I can barely cover myself, much less cover your bad beats. Let's start out with the games of Sunday, October 8th, and of course for an excellent coverage map of the games and times in your area. Consult 506sports.com. They have an excellent coverage map. As always, check your local listings for the game being in your area because sometimes things do change up. Again, this is a CBS Doubleheader Weekend. We will start with another early game, this one in London. Again, the 2-2 uh, Jaguars taking on the 3-1 Bills at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, England. 9.30 a.m. kickoff. On NFL Network, the Bills are five and a half point favorites. Last week, the Jags defeated the Falcons 23 to 7. 
while the Bills defeated the Dolphins 48-20. Fast fact here is the Jags are the first NFL team to play back-to-back -back games outside of the United States. Now, the Jags' anemic offense woke somewhat in toppling the Falcons in Wembley last week. They remain in London for their second game in as many weeks across the pond as they visit the Bills, who are fresh off of romp, over the Dolphins. As much as I like the Jags' defense, who has been playing fairly decent as of late, the Bills are hitting on all cylinders. And making that first weekend loss to the Jets look more and more like an aberration, a puzzling aberration at that, than a sign of impending doom. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are playing at top notch. They are clicking, and Gabe Davis is quickly emerging as a force of his own. Though the Jags are more suited for the time change, they've been in London for the last week and a half, the Bills are the better team and will show it in spades. The pick is Buffalo. Next on the docket, we have the 2-2 two two Texans taking on the 2-2 two two Falcons. At Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox, the Falcons are 1.5-point favorites. Last week, the Texans defeated the Steelers 30-6, while the Falcons lost to the Jaguars 23-7. Fast fact here is, De is Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter has yet to lose a home start since his freshman year in college. He is 26-0 in college. He won his home two for his first two home starts in his rookie year and his two home starts so far this year. Now, the Texans handed out one of the more shocking beatdowns this season as they routed the Steelers in front of a delirious home crowd, their second such stunning victory in as many weeks. Now they head to the ATL to face a suddenly reeling Falcons team that can't win away from home. The whispers about the abilities of Desmond Ritter are getting louder and louder by the week, and he needs a big-time effort to keep Howells for his starting job at bay. For some reason, I just don't believe in C.J. Stroud. While his talent is, is apparent, he is way overdue for a correction to the mean. And I think he plays this week underwhelmingly. The pick here is Atlanta. Next on the docket, we have the 0-4 Panthers taking on the 3-1 Lions at Fort Field in Detroit. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Lions are 10-point favorites. Last week, the Panthers lost to the Vikings 21-13, while the Lions defeated the Packers 34 to 20. Fast fact here is the Lions have sole possession of first place in the NFC North for the first time since 2017. Now the Panthers are reeling and the road gets no better. They head to the Motor City to face a quietly confident Lions team fresh off of a stunning road route of the Packers. David Montgomery is showing that he can be a workhorse as he rambled and rumbled over and through a Green Bay defense that was damn near begging for mercy after a 32-carry, 121-yard, three-score performance. He might find the sledding even easier against a so-so Panthers defense. Now, Bryce Young is showing promise, to be sure, but he can't get the Panthers' offense points and against a relentless young Lions squad that has no problem putting up points by themselves, that might be a real problem. The pick is Detroit. Next on the docket, we have the 2-2 two two Titans taking on the 2-2 two two Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Titans are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Last week, the Titans defeated the Bengals 27-3, while the Colts lost to the Rams 29-23 in overtime. Fast fact is the Titans have won the last five meetings and the last four appearances in Indianapolis. 
The Titans rolled Derrick Henry to a big win over the Bengals and head north to face the Colts team that rallied smartly from a large deficit but fell short against the Rams. The Colts' weak run defense will be the focal point here, and I get the feeling that the Titans will stick to what works, run King Henry until the Colts can prove that they can stop him. And I don't think that will happen. The pick here is Tennessee. Next on the docket, we have the 1-3 Giants taking on the 3-1 Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Dolphins are 12-point favorites. Last week, the Giants lost to the Seahawks 24-3, while the Dolphins lost to the Bills 48-20. Fast fact here is the Giants gave up 11 sacks Monday against the Seahawks. The reeling G-Men took another primetime beating. Now, the good news is their next game isn't in primetime. The bad news is that their next game is against a pissed-off Dolphin squad that took a humiliating loss to a despised divisional rival and are looking to take some of their frustrations out on someone. And that someone is going to be the G-Men. The combination of the Giants' anemic offense and the Dolphins against the high-speed Dolphins' offense may make for another disturbingly high-scoring game, and it won't be in favor of the visitors from Gotham. The pick here is Miami, and that's the Hoodwood Lock of the Week. Next on the docket, we have the 2-2 two two Saints taking on the 1-3 Patriots game being played at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. It's an even-line game. The uh, Last week, the Saints lost to the Buccaneers 26-9, while the Patriots lost to the Cowboys 38-3. Fast fact here is the Saints have allowed one, just one, rushing touchdown this season. Both teams are coming off of pretty brutal losses. The Saints offense could never get in gear, losing to their bitter divisional rivals. Unless you say to the Pats fans and the Pats uh, coaching staff about the beatdown that their squad took in Jerry World against the Pokes, the better. At one time, this would have been a dream matchup. Elite quarterbacks uh, of Drew Brees and Tom Brady, who are now gone to the ages. Now, it's a hobbled Derek Carr against a woeful Mac Jones, who might be in danger of losing his job if he continues to play that bad. Tough call to make here, a pair of struggling teams. I'll flip a coin and hope that I finally get my upset after four weeks. Only really it would be an upset because it's a road team, but nevertheless... I have New Orleans as my Hoodwood Upset of the Week. Next on the docket, we have the 3-1 Ravens taking on the 2-2 Steelers at Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Ravens are 4.5 favorites last week. The Ravens defeated the Browns 28-3, while the Steelers lost to the Texans 30-6. Fast fact here is the Ravens are 12 out of 15 reds in red zone trips, while on the defense... They've only allowed three scores in opponents' ten red zone opportunities. Now, the Ravens bounce back from their first defeat at home to whip the Browns on the road. Now, they stay on the road looking to bury their hated divisional rival who are coming in weak after a poor, poor showing in Houston. Lamar Jackson is looking like his frighteningly efficient self again, and the Steelers' defense hasn't been this suspect in decades. To be honest, the Ravens not be that good, and Steelers might be tempted to raise their game up in a needed divisional uh, divisional win. Take time out, come back with the rest of 
the week five docket. Late games, Sunday and Monday night games. Sports Hollywood rolls on after this. I'm actor Rajim A. Gross. Some of the studios would like to scan our images and only pay us for one day's worth of work and be able to use our likenesses, our voices, our mannerisms as computer-generated characters, not only in the movie that we might be filming in, but in all future films as well. That's not fair. And I thank the SAG board members that are fighting for my rights as an actor to work on a union film. So I just want to say, standing in complete solidarity with everyone, thank you. Sense commentary, thorough analysis, and logical insight on the world of sports. Now here's the man that Wikipedia and Google call for sports fact checks. Your host, KJ Green. And on we go in the hood with the Week 5 NFL picks. Next on the docket, we have the 4-0 Eagles taking on the 2-2 Rams at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. 405 kickoff on Fox. The Eagles are four and a half point favorites. Last week, the Eagles defeated the Commanders 34-31, while the Rams beat the Colts 29-23. Both of those games went overtime. The fast fact here is while this is the Eagles' third visit to L.A. since the Rams moved back to the City of Angels, this is their first visit to SoFi Stadium. The Eagles and the Rams won, both won tough overtime games and face off for the first time in the Rams' fairly new digs. The Eagles hemmed and hard, but they got the win, and their offense is humming nonetheless. The Rams kept Matthew Stafford upright and got the win in Indianapolis despite blowing a sizable lead. I don't think the Rams can do the same this week against a withering Eagles rush, and the Rams' defense will find that containing an uneven rookie is a whole hell of a lot easier than containing Jalen Hurts. The pick here is Philadelphia. Next on the docket, we have the 1-3 Bengals taking on the 1-3 Cardinals. Game being played at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 4-5 kickoff on Fox. The Bengals are three-point favorites. Last week, the Bengals lost to the Titans 27-3, while the Cardinals lost to the 49ers 35-16. Fast fact here, the teams have split their 12 meetings overall. 
but the Bengals have never won as a road team against the Cardinals, going 0-3 in Arizona and 0-1 in St. Louis. The struggling Bengals head to the desert to face the Cards, who are coming off of a road hammering by the bay. Joe Burrow's immobility is a liability, and Zach Taylor's steadfast refusal to sit him despite his bulky calf, letting it really heal, is looking more and more idiotic by the week. The Bengals will struggle to move the ball against the Cards, but the Cards' offense is no juggernaut and will make just enough mistakes to let the Bengals off the hook. If the Bengals lose this one and or Burrow gets further hurt, what little chance the Bengals have to salvage this season and make the playoffs might evaporate, and Zach Taylor's job might go with it. The pick here is Cincinnati. Next on the docket, we have the 3-1 Chiefs taking on the 1-3 Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. 425 kickoff on CBS. The Chiefs are 3.5-point favorites. Last week, the Chiefs beat the Jets 23-20 while the Vikings beat the Panthers 21-13. Fast fact is the Chiefs rarely come to Minneapolis, and this will be the third different venue that the Chiefs have played in as many visits. Their last visit was at TCF Bank Stadium in 2015, and before that, the Metrodome in 2003. Both teams come off of tough road wins. The Chiefs overcame a rare poor start by Patrick Mahomes to gut out a win and edge the Jets, while the Vikings got a great performance, a stellar performance, I should say, from their defense to rally to beat the Panthers. Kirk Cousins has put up gaudy numbers, but they haven't garnered wins. And it's doubtful he can put up those kind of numbers that it will take to win a shootout against the Chiefs. I just can't see the Vikings defense, who has played solid at times, hold the Chiefs down and put Patrick Mahomes in another bad position. I can see Kirk Cousins making another couple of dumb mistakes and that the Chiefs have no problem cashing them in. The pick here is Kansas City. Next on the docket, we have the 1-3 Jets taking on the 1-3 Broncos at Empower Field at Mile High in Denver. 425 kickoff on CBS. The Broncos are two and a half point favorites. Last week, the Jets lost to the Chiefs 23-20 while the Broncos defeated the Bears 31-28. Fast fact is these two teams own the longest playoff droughts in the NFL. The Jets haven't made the postseason since 2010, and the Broncos haven't been in the postseason since winning Super Bowl 50 against the Panthers in the 20, after the 2015 season. Now, the Jets hung tough with the Chiefs, and only a suspect call against my guy Sauce kept them from a possible upset. They hit the mountains to take on a Broncos team that rallied hard from a big deficit against the Bears to get a late win. I don't trust the Broncos' offense one bit, and not even at home do I trust them. That's not to say I trust Zach Wilson and the uneven Jets' offense. But I do trust the Jets' defense, and I think they can force Russell Wilson into a couple mistakes and steal a win in the mountains. The pick here is the New York Jets. The Sunday night game is a doozy. 3-1 Cowboys taking on the 4-0 49ers at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. 8-20 kickoff on NBC. 49ers are four-point favorites. Last week, the Cowboys defeated the Patriots 38-3, while the 49ers defeated the Cardinals 35-16. to 16. Fast fact is that both teams have committed one turnover, one, in the first four games each. 
Now, the Pokes bounced back from their puzzling loss to the Cardinals to thrash the Pats at Jerry World. Now, they head to the Bay for a huge early season litmus test against the Niners, who have really been yet challenged, been challenged all this season, and they've looked sharp in their four outings. A primetime matchup worth watching has a ton of questions. Will Brock Purdy continue to look the part of the top flight quarterback? Will Dak Prescott continue to be elite in the face of a dogged Niners defense that gives up stint yards stingy and points even stingier? We'll find all this out and more on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> it's the best week of the game and it's the toughest one to call. I think the Niners at home eke out a tough, thrilling win. The pick here is San Francisco. The Monday night game is again being shown on both ABC and ESPN. This has the 2-2 two two Packers taking on the 1-3 Raiders at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 8-15 kickoff on both ABC and ESPN as previously noted. The Raiders are favored by a single point. Last week, the Packers lost to the Lions 34-20, while the Raiders lost to the Chargers 24-17. Fast fact here is that the Packers have won the last eight meetings with the Raiders. Now, the Packers have had to stew on the trampling that they took by from the Lions at Lambeau Field for a few extra days. Now, remember, that game was played on Thursday, and now they have to wait all the way to Monday night. They've been stewing on that for a long time. They head to Vegas for the first time ever to face a Raiders team that is getting too good at giving winnable games away. Both squads are suspect, to be honest, and I can't really believe in either quarterback. Neither Jimmy Garoppolo nor Jordan Love excite my fancy. That said, I think that Devontae Adams won't show out against his old team and that the Raiders pull out a win in spite of themselves, in spite of the idiotic coaching of Josh McDaniel. The pick here is Green Bay. And there you have it. Let me slip in that next week quick pick between the Broncos and the Chiefs at GEHA Field at Arrowhead in Kansas City. Chiefs are 10.5 point favorites. And my pick is Kansas City. Last week was 10 and 6. Snuffy is pointing out over my shoulder, 36 and 28 overall. My lock was correct, and my upset was incorrect. I was 3-1 overall on the locks, 0-4 on the upsets. And there you have it. We will take our final timeout, come back with the Woodwood Hot Five, Fat Dap and Head Slap, and the final word from the wood. Switch the wood heads down the stretch after this.
tuned into Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for no-nonsense commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now live in living color, black by popular demand, your host, KJ Green. Running third and headed for home here in the Hoodwood. We'll finish up strong with the Hoodwood Hot Five, Fat Dap and Head Slap, and the final word from the wood. The Hoodwood Hot Five has been shook up. And I've been promising to do it if there have been some lackluster performances by the teams. And with the Hoodwood Hot Five Power Five rankings, let's get to it. 5 1 first. We got a team to drop out of the Hoodwood Hot Five. And they're still unbeaten. Yes, I'm talking about the USC Trojans who struggled to put away a Colorado team. They're 5-0 and 3-0 in the Pac-12. They defeated Colorado 48-41, and their next game up is against Arizona. But they went from 3 all the way out by Power 5. So they're on the outside looking in. So that means there's some new blood in the Hoodwood Hot 5. And lo and behold, it's Washington. 5-0, and overall 2-0 in the Pac-12. Last week they were not ranked. They defeated Arizona 31-24, and their next game is against Oregon. Now, if Washington can beat Oregon, they'll stay in the Hoodwood Hot Five. If they lose, guess who? Do I hear quacking there? They're quacking to get in. Oregon's standing on the fence line looking like, what about us? Winner gets into the Hot Five, loser's out. Number four ranked team in the Hoodwood Hot Five is Ohio State Buckeyes. They are 4-0, 1-0 in the Big Ten, and they were on a bye last week. This next game will be against Maryland uh, at the Horseshoe in Columbus. Our number three ranked team, who moved up spot from number four, is the Texas Longhorns. They're 4-0, 1-0 in the Big 12. They defeated Kansas 40-14. Their next game is the Red River Shootout in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. Our number two team, and like I said, I shook it up some, is the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes, the former number one Georgia Bulldogs, at least in our poll, struggled mildly on the Plains to beat Auburn 27-21. Their next game was against Kentucky at Sanford Stadium. And our number one team, I told you it was a shakeup, the Michigan Wolverines, who are 5-0, 2-0 in the Big Ten, they move up one spot from number two. They defeated Nebraska 45-7. Their next game is uh, at Minnesota for the Little Brown Jug. And like I said, I was going to shake up the Hoodwood Hot Five. That's my Hot Five. What's yours? Now let's turn to our Fat Dap and Head Slap of the Week. Our Fat Dap of the Week, and it's very rare when I give kudos to radio talk show hosts. Most of the time I think they're wonks that talk a lot and say nothing. But Don LaGreca of, in New York went off on the Giants' Evan Neal for some critical comments that he made about fans. Take a look. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep, he added. The person that's condemning, uh, commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 
I'd cut his ass. I would. How dare you? How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers block than your piece of garbage ass. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You make them, you're better than me? You're better than the people that pay your salary? These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear, done, done. I would cut his fat ass. <laughs> Oh, if I'm John Mara, I call him into the office and say, no, you were a first-round pick, but you're not worth anything. You don't talk to our fans that way. You don't talk to me that way. You are out of a job. I, I don't you. should you. boo him. If you see him in the mall at Willowbrook, boo his ass. If you see him on the DMV, boo him. Don't stop booing him. If he goes to the Pro Bowl, boo him. If he wins a Super Bowl, Boo his sorry ass. Screw that guy. Oh, I mean, that angers me. We're not nobody. Flipping, but how are you taught? you condescend to people that pay to watch you play? Poorly, I might add. Really bad. Oh, you this. Oh, uh, <sighs> I, the, I, I, I hate players like that. I thought you. Despise I thought it was them. I was going to say. If, if the whole thing was he just said boo louder, I was going to be like, oh, so he's saying, like, we deserve it. Like, no, keep the boos coming. I, that's where I thought you were going. Flipping hot dogs. Think about how wrong I was. I thought he was going to say, no, keep booing. We deserve to be booed. I, there are people in the stands that are doctors. They cure diseases. They're giant fans, too. There are people that are architects. They build bridges and buildings. You block poorly. Now, that's somebody who <laughs> speaks their mind. And I thought he was going to blow a gasket for a minute, but fat dap to Don LaGreca for telling it like it is and being right. Now, our head slap of the week goes to the Texas referee who for some reason, was bumped by a player. Wasn't intentional, he was in the middle of a play. This referee grabs the player by the shoulders and helmet, wrenches his helmet off, and then throws him out of the game. Make that make sense. This referee has been suspended pending investigation. This referee should never be allowed on a athletic field again. What that was, was reprehensible, stupid, foolish, and in no way, in no way justifiable. Head slap to this idiot referee for what I should say he should known better. And now, without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. Now, everybody who knows me knows that I am a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan. And most people would think the last thing that you would 
ever see is me dating a Green Bay Packers fan. Well, at one time I did. For about a year, I dated someone who was a dyed-in-the-wool Green Bay Packers fan, and the arguments between the two of us during football season were legendary. During the 2021 season, it was a very long season to listen to her constantly carp about how good her Packers were and how bad my Vikings were, which at the time, which was pretty much true. One of the things that I was able to do was go with her to meet and visit her father, who was as big a Green Bay Packers fan as she was. And one thing I could say about Mr. D is that he knew his team and was very, very knowledgeable about not only the game of football, but the history of, Green, of the Green Bay Packers. Going into this man's den, which was a virtual shrine to the Packers, Footballs, pictures, tickets, schedules, a copy of the legendary Jerry Kramer book, Instant Replay, the one that was a diary of the 1967 Green Bay Packers. This man had each one of the, chapter, to the chapters in the book autographed by the subject of that chapter. Now, you're talking about somebody who is dedicated to the Packers. This man was dedicated to the Packers. And I always thought the funny thing was, is he lived in downstate Illinois. Wasn't a Bears fan. Wasn't a, a Cardinals or Rams fan. He was a Green Bay Packers fan through and through. And as a Vikings fan, sometimes I felt like I had to hold my stomach looking. But, as a football fan, as someone who considers themselves a student of the game and a student of the history of the game, you had to be appreciative, awed, if you will, by the number of collectibles, memorabilia, trinkets, schedules, all sorts of things dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. And I was impressed. And I not only was impressed by this man not only was the stuff that he knew about football, but about the world, about politics, about things in general. The man loved motorcycles. He rode often. He was a world traveler. Someone who was a teacher. He taught foreign language at the high school near where he lived at. And was somebody that just garnered respect. Mr. D passed away, losing a tough battle with cancer earlier this month, and I can truly say I was heartbroken. Now, me, me, and, me and my girl, we parted ways a couple of years ago, but we've stayed in touch and stayed friends. When she told me that her father was sick, I took it hard. I truly appreciated it, and I called Mr. D, I called him Pop, because it was somebody I really and truly respected. Generous man, generous of his time, his uh, views on things, but he opened up his home to me and was always very, very nice to me. And he was somebody that I greatly respected. And I told Sarah to keep her pop strong and that I would be praying for him. And I was hoping that he would be able to give it a, give it a hell of a fight. And he gave it as much a fight as he could. And like I said, passing away peacefully with his wife and his daughter by his side and he was somebody that like I said I can truly respect 
For his passing and his funeral, he had asked that everyone at his wake wear sports gear because he was a truly a big sports fan. I won't be able to make that funeral. I'll be watching my beloved Bearcats. But while that is a ring of red game for homecoming, I will wear black for Mr. D for Pop because I had that much respect for him. Hood would salute Jim Dixon, a Hoodwood legend. Love you, Pop. And that is the final word from the wood. With the music coming up in the background, you know that means that your time here in the Hoodwood is just about done. And I thank you so much again for your visit. Now, the show's email is kjgreen at sportsfromthehoodwood.com. You can please send me emails regarding show topics, both past and future, questions, comments on the show, and both praise and criticism. I welcome your correspondence and I try to get back to people as quickly as possible in a timely manner. The show's website is sportsfromthehoodwit.com. You can check that out as a back catalog of the show dating back 11 years in both audio and video forms. Check that out if there are any shows that you may have missed. You can join the debate and conversation on the Sports from the Hoodwood Facebook page that also has video podcast simulcast of the show as well as other topics, funny stuff I find on the web, and plenty of great sports debate and lots more. I post often and respond often to member submissions. The video versions are also on YouTube. You can smash that subscribe button, hit that like button like a punching bag for more great content. I greatly appreciate it. The link to the podcast is also on the show's XD. We are moving to Tribal. I am just finishing the move. So the XV will be dying off and the tribal feed will be the way to be able to do instant messaging to the show and we do uh, reply back to those uh, texts and uh, tribal posts. So you can like and follow there as well. The audio version of the show is on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iTunes from Apple, and a host of other fine podcast platforms and providers. If the Hoodwind is not on your favorite podcast provider, please ask for it. Drop me a line. I will do what I can to get it on your favorite platform or provider. Special thanks to Rage Pictures, as always, for providing production assistance to both the show and the website. And that's it from the Hoodwind, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, my name is KJ Green. Thank you so much again for joining me. Until next time, fellow sports fans, 30. Sports from the Hoodwood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 Audio and Films production.